Welcome to the Grove Community Church Worship Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. Here's this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. When I was a kid, one of my favorite toys were the Green Army Men. Right? Did anybody else, were the, was anybody else into the Green Army Men? Yeah. The ones that just were on a pedestal, you know? And you had, the, you had the guy like this, you had a guy laying prone, you had a guy like this. I mean, there were only like four or five different ones, but they all looked a little different. And, and we used to play with those for hours. Now, the thing is, is we would spend hours setting them up and minutes for the battle. One Christmas, we woke up and we walked into the den. We peeked around the corner to smell of the tree full in our nostrils along with breakfast cooking. My dad always loved to cook a big breakfast on Christmas morning. I didn't care about the food. I wanted to see the goods. And I sneak around the corner and I look and to my shock and amazement there was a rock this tall Well, maybe not this tall, but to a little kid, it felt tall. It was as tall as I was. And it was the Navarone army set. Now, some of you are completely lost, and that's okay. Navarone was a movie that came out in the 60s, Dad, is that right? Called The Guns of Navarone. And it was about this this mountain escape where they had these massive artillery guns to protect the coast. It's not really a thing, but it was based on a reality of the guns in World War II that were along the coast in Italy, I believe. And so they they took this book, a guy wrote a book, and, and then they made it into a movie, and it was this massive mountain that sat as an impasse. You couldn't go by. It was protecting, and it was this fortress. And I got it. Actually, I didn't. My brother got it, but it was as good as mine, right? We got the Navarone army set, this massive plastic rock. Now, what was great about the Navarone set is you rock, paper, scissors to see who was going to get it, right? Anybody do this? And if you got it, you knew you were golden. You were going to win the battle every time because you could set your army men inside this rock And they weren't going to be destroyed. Now, the way we played Army Men was we would set them up, and then we had the Nerf basketball. Does anybody remember the Nerf basketball? Yeah, it was a Nerf basketball that was kind of soft. And then they had these plastic orange rims that would go on top of the door. Mine got broken every time because we would go and we we had the hollow uh, core doors. Back in the 70s, and we'd go busting through those when we were slamming it, and my dad would get mad and break them and throw them away, but we always kept the ball, right? I don't know how many of those my dad hid from us or threw in the garbage, but he never took our Nerf balls from us. So we would get those Nerf balls, and we would use those to throw and knock down the, the opponent's army men. But if you had the Navarone, it was impenetrable. This rock was massive. There was no Nerf ball that could damage it. So you could hide army men in there all day and they could pound it into oblivion with the Nerf ball and there were gonna be men that never fell. 
And if you had the Navarone set, you got to stand up and throw <laughs> downwards at the other guy's army men. If you, if you didn't have the Navarone set, you had to sit on your bottom or on your knees and throw from, from that position. That was our rules. So to get the Navarone set, you knew you were going to win the battle. It was this fortress that was not going to be moved. Let's look at this psalm from David, Psalm 18. It's one of those that I go to when things aren't good, when things feel overwhelming, when I feel like, okay, nothing's happening like I anticipated it was going to happen, when life gets tough. This is a psalm of David, and in the prescript of it, it's actually verse 1 in one of the texts. It says this, Psalm 18, To the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord Yahweh on the day when the Lord Yahweh rescued him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Now I want to stop here for just a second and pause on this word for love. This isn't chesed love that we've talked about in this series of Hebrew words that we ought to know. This is a different word, rachem, and it means compassionate love. It means respect. It means to submit oneself to. So when he says here, I love you, Lord, he's saying, Lord, I accept and I live in and I show or mirror back to you the compassion that you give me. So love here is a deep, intimate picture. In fact... This word for love shares a very similar root to the word womb. It's like a baby in a mother's womb. That's the kind of love, that's the kind of connection that we have with God. I love you, O oh Lord. I commit myself to you, Lord. I reflect back the compassion, the compassion that you've enwrapped me in, Lord. And because of that, you are my strength. So David, in the middle of horrible situation, and we don't know specifically what's going on here. We don't know what trouble he's in. We don't know the actual point in his life where he pins these words or sings these words. All we know is that it is a bad time. It's in a bad way, as I mentioned earlier. Here's the deal. Have you ever read the story of David and how Saul pursued him? It's crazy. Saul was a madman, and over and over and over again, David would find a way to hide, and Saul would bring his people, and they would try to find David and put him to death. Every time he turned around, he had to fear for his life. Every time he turned around, there was another snare. There was something else out there that could trip him up. There was someone else looking for him. There was another spy. There was another group of army men coming to, you know, people from, from Saul's army coming to find him. There were Saul himself. He had sent everything after him. The whole onslaught. And in the middle of this, David turns to God and says, I love you because you are my strength. In the midst of his seeming destruction, he finds his refuge in the Lord. Then he says, verse 2, the Lord Yahweh, it's the word Yahweh here, is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. 
my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. It's kind of repetitive, isn't it? In fact, no other place does, does the psalmist use nine nouns to describe God. And this repetition over and over and over and over again of nine nouns describing God brings one big picture together. God is this massive fortress. He is a rock. And the word here for fortress, right there in the second part of the sentence, the Lord is my rock and my fortress is the word Matsudah. It comes from a word that means enclosure, stronghold, fortress, mountain peak. Now to understand this, you have to understand where David was when he wrote this. If you've ever seen the Judean hillside, the mountainsides in Israel, you know what he's talking about. When you're in Jerusalem, and if you can look out beyond the city, it is nothing but hill after hill after hill. And when I say hill, it looks more like mountain after mountain after mountain. It's just wave of peaks everywhere. It's why the psalmist says God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Because when you're in Jerusalem and you look out, it looks like a thousand hills. They're uncountable. It's one after another after another. These rocks these nooks and crannies. So what he's saying in essence is, God, you're like this countryside out here, this wilderness. When I'm in the wilderness, when, when life feels threatened, when I don't have the supplies I need and, and, and life is fleeting, I know that you are hiding me and protecting me. Just like these rocks protect birds or animals that are seeking shelter from other animals. And notice that, that it's a natural fortress. It's a, natu- a natural protection. It's a natural stronghold. It's not one that he had to create. David doesn't create a fortress. This is a natural fortress created by God. And so when he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my mutsata, he's saying, God, you are the one that surrounds me and protects me. Nothing else can. Do you get that? Nothing else can. Now the word for mutsada also has a root that in the verb form means to breastfeed. Now think about that for a second. When a mom takes a newborn baby for the first time and feeds that baby, there's no more intimate situation. She cradles the baby in her arms as closely as she can, and she creates protection around it, and she provides for the baby that which the baby cannot provide for itself. What a beautiful picture of who God is for us. That amidst of the crazy world, when everything's flying at us and, and we, are, we are helpless, God is the one who cradles us, protects us, and provides for us. Isn't that a wonderful picture? So this word for fortress doesn't only mean fortress. It has this picture of a mom's love. Just like the first word for love has a picture of a mom's womb. Do you get the picture here? God is like a mom who cradles us, who loves us, who protects us, who does 
anything for us that he can possibly do. And so David, in the middle of his horrible situation, reaches out and says, God, you are, I love you, and I, and I want to crawl up into the fortress of your arms. You are my deliverer, my rock, and I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, verse 3, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Now what's interesting is, because the Judean hillside is, is rocky like this, it creates all sorts of opportunities to create forts. And there is a fort whose name is Masada. The word Masada comes from the root word fortress that we just read about, Matsuda, fortress. But Masada was a hideout. Does anybody know who built Masada? Herod. King Herod built Masada. And it was a fortress that was overlooking, it overlooks the Dead Sea. And if you ever have a chance to go to Israel, you go to Masada and you climb it, and it is a climb, or you take a tram up to it. It's one of the highest peaks in all of Israel. And it overlooks, or that part of Israel, and it overlooks all of the Dead Sea Plain. So from Masada, you see everything. And now if you go, you can look out and you, and you see just as far as the eye can see in every direction. And it is this fortress that was built on the hillside, and it is a natural fortification. It is like my Navarone set. You go there and you are protected. But this is how amazing it was. Herod had people engineer fresh water coming to this hill, hilltop, this mountaintop fortress. Enough water where it would never run out. He also stored four years worth of food there and created ways to, to maintain life for years on end there. And he made it into a palace of sorts. So it was a fortress, and it was a palace, and it was sitting on the edge of this hill overlooking the Dead Sea Plain. So for as far as the eye can see, you can see your enemies coming. There's also a movie about Masada. Because here's what happened. In the rebellion after Jesus' death, when the Jewish people rebelled against Rome... And Rome came in and, and leveled Jerusalem and destroyed everything. There was a group who refused to bow down to Rome and they fled to Masada. There were a hundred people there that lived there. And they lived on this mountaintop and they were protected from the Romans. And there was no way that the Romans could beat them. There was no way that the Romans could come and kick them out of Masada. Except the Romans, they're pretty clever. Does anybody know this story? I know my dad does because he loves the movie. Well, let me just say, when you go to Masada and you look out, you can see these weird squares that are just out in the fields all around. And, and they're, they're old rock that are lined up in squares. Well, come to find out, those squares are where the Roman encampments were. And they were all around Masada in every direction. And so you had thousands upon thousands of Romans surrounding this hilltop fortress 
where the, where the Jews had fled to protect themselves. And they thought they could wait out the Romans. But the Romans, every day, started building a ramp. Day after day, they brought rocks and built ramps up the side of this mountain. Day after day. And the Jewish people were watching and they thought they'll never make it up here. They'll never get here. And they're running out of water. And we have a natural water up here. And so they would wash their clothes and wring it out and wash it like this and hang it out to dry so the Romans could see it. You know, it was kind of this, this mind game they were playing with the Romans. You don't have fresh water, but we do. But it didn't deter the Romans. And day after day after day, the enemy piled up rock after rock after rock. And one Passover evening, Rome finally broke through. And they went in to destroy all of Masada and everybody in it. Because this Masada was handmade. It was man-made. Here's the deal. Some of us trust in our own personal fortresses that we build. We think that we can protect ourselves from the world. So we build ourselves with comfort. We build ourselves with bank accounts. We build ourselves with good relationships and right connections. We build ourselves with all of these things that we think are going to protect us and surround us. We build our own personal Masada. We sit up on the high top and we look down and go, oh gosh, thank goodness I'm not down there. Thank goodness I'm above all of this. But here's the thing. We have an enemy who, like the Romans, day by day by day, is going to try to get to us and tear us down. And so our only help is not in our personal fortress that we build. No matter how lavish and beautiful and smart we are at building our own fortress, it does not help in the end. Every man-made, every man-made effort will fall. And here is the point, guys. Our only hope, our only strength, our only fortress is God. And if we try to put it in anything else, try to put our trust, our hope, our security in anything else, it will fail us. Political parties, constitutions, Wealth, all of those are man-made. They're like that Masada that we think, oh yeah, we can protect ourselves up here. No. It won't work. Ultimately, our only strength, our only protection is God. And so if you are not putting your effort into that connection, that relationship, you're missing out. Remember, the word love comes from the root that also means or could mean womb. God wants to draw us in and protect us. Remember the word musada also means to breastfeed. He wants to pull us in and cradle us and hold us near protect us and provide for us.
But here's the thing. Unlike a baby, he gives us a choice. Some trust in chariots, but I trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in strength, human strength, and human power, but I trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some people trust in Navarone, the big plastic shell of funness. But I trust in the name of the Lord our God. If you try to find your strength in anything else, it will disappoint you. David knew this. It's hard for us in North America to know it. So I challenge you. I challenge you. Let God be your fortress. Dermusada. And nothing else. Sooner or later, we graduated from the small Nerf balls that were, I mean, almost like being hit with nothing, right? Remember how soft those things were? I mean, they were nothing. They were more like, I mean, it was like air. And Nerf got wise, and they started making those Nerf basketballs a little bit stronger. There came a point when in the evolution of the Nerf basketball where you went from the Navarone set being impenetrable to the Navarone set being a liability. Because the stronger the Nerf ball was, the easier it was to knock that rock down. <laughs> and the bigger we got. And so we would just take that Nerf, that harder Nerf basketball, and we would rear back with all our strengths and smoke that Navarone set and knock it all down. Yeah, and then you won. You see, there's always a bigger Nerf ball out there. So where do you trust him? I hope this message was meaningful and powerful to you, but I also hope that it was challenging. And as always, don't just hear it, put it into action. Until next week, have a great one.